You are listening to After Sunday, a Vintage Church NOLA podcast hosted by lead pastor Dustin Turner. After Sunday is focused on helping you live the gospel, serve the city, and be the church Monday through Saturday. Here is this week's episode. Welcome to After Sunday. My name is Dustin Turner, and I serve as the lead pastor of Vintage Church. In the life of the church, Sundays are important, but not everything happens on Sunday. Life happens Monday through Saturday. So my hope is that this podcast inspires and equips you to live the gospel, serve the city, and be the church after Sunday. On this week's episode, I'm excited to talk with my good friend, who's also one of our vintage partners, Steve Ackman, about generosity. I'll let Steve introduce himself in just a minute, but one of the reasons that we are talking about generosity this week is because in the life of Vintage Church, generosity is a big part, not only just generally, but also in this year, 2021. Uh, As a part of our deep and wide vision, every quarter we are focusing on one deep habit, one deep spiritual habit, and one wide spiritual habit. And so we've talked about things like evangelism, service, and in quarter three, as we wrap up the end of this quarter, we're talking about generosity. And so Steve is going to tell you a little bit about himself. He is a financial advisor, and so I think he's uniquely qualified to not just talk about generosity, but talk about money more broadly. So Steve, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Good to see you, Dustin. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself, and in particular, uh, yeah, I'd love to hear about your faith journey and and how that I think speaks to your occupation and your views on generosity. Um, but also think, obviously, as a financial advisor, you're uniquely qualified to talk about money. And oftentimes, when we talk about money, especially within the church, we should be talking about generosity as well. Yeah. Um, thank you. So <clears throat> I think I have a pretty interesting story. I, uh, I'm from a small town, uh, Morgan City, and I grew up very, very, very poor. And uh, it was a lot of tumultuous times uh, to get from there to where I am now. Um, and so I never really had to think about money too much uh, for most of my life. Um, you could say 99.9% because it was really just a check to check type of uh, life. My family, you know, their whole history. And then as I went through college and uh, eventually ended up to New Orleans, it was always very tough. And so I think in God's sovereign plan, he took me through that path to put me now in a career, uh, which I'm very thankful for, which is a very special career, uh, very unique uh, and very tough also, particularly at the beginning. And, um, and so I went from a place where I didn't have to think about money at all because there was no money to think about to a place where um, now there are options and I really have to uh, consider how to be a good steward with what God has blessed me with. Uh, My faith journey, I got saved in college. I had two uh, men that were praying for me, one a a friend who had witnessed me at college and another a mentor who I worked for and um, got saved, came to New Orleans after I finished my bachelor's degree to work on my uh, MBA grad school. Uh, I've been to Vintage, at Vintage for most of that time. And, um, you know, why am I uniquely qualified to talk about finances? I think my whole life experience uh, has given me great perspective on knowing what it feels like, you know, to not have any access to any sort of money. Uh, and then now uh, in this career to sit with people, you know, that have far more than they need uh, and 
kind of dialogue with them about what's important to them, uh, you know, because they don't have to worry about money. So as a as both a Christian, I mean, that's what you're thinking about, obviously, spiritually and as a financial advisor, practically. Why do you think people struggle with generosity? Maybe and maybe this is important. Do you think people struggle with generosity? I do. I very much do. I, uh, you know, I would say generosity is one of the named spiritual gifts in Romans 12. It's not going to come naturally to everyone. So we each have something, you know, that comes a little bit more naturally to us by God's design that may or may not be giving for any, any given person. And I think it comes down to uh, some idolatry of money. I think Christ speaks very directly about this and uh, urges us away from that for, for many reasons and for our good. And I think it comes down to a lack of trust in God and also uh, just a lack of knowledge of the scriptures. I think scripture speaks very, very directly uh, as to how we should think about money, how we should view it, and what we should be doing with it. How do you see that kind of play out practically when you're doing financial advising, particularly with someone who's like a Christian? Where do people struggle practically with generosity? Yes. And so, look, when I sit with clients, I would certainly have a different conversation with a believer than I would with a non-believer, particularly about giving. Um, and I would say believers and non-believers struggle really in many of the same areas. I think if I have a believer that is very open with me, like they would be if they're my client, about how they budget their money, how much they give, how much they save, I think with believers, I tend to have pretty pragmatic, direct conversations. And I think it comes down to um, a lack of of peace about God being faithful with their money. Um, I think if anybody puts any sort of emphasis on money providing security, I think that will give you that, that it'll be a challenge to really give as freely as maybe you should. Hmm. Yeah, because they find that security and they want to have as much as of it they can. Yes, correct. And but it'll never provide security. So I can tell you, unfortunately, I, I can sit with people that have three or four million dollars who are always uh, still worried about their money, and it's a and it's a very sad thing. I don't know that I've had a believer that that you know had that <laughs> mindset, but but you know potentially there could be. But if you have you know two three million dollars, you know you you really never have to think about money. It's really useless to you if you have that much money and have to worry about it. You may as well be broke. I think believers, you know, to, to a much lesser extent, but I think if if a believer isn't really trusting what Scripture says, um, that you know, don't even take take thought for tomorrow. You know, God feeds the birds and clothes the lilies, and so we don't have to really think about these day to day needs that we have. That's really the peace that money would provide if you think, you know, you can hoard wealth and your needs will always be met. Rather than that, we can trust God, you know, and let him lead us on how to give. Yeah. So as a financial advisor, how can people all around be better stewards of their finances? The biggest thing for me, from my perspective, especially with what's taking place in my life, is that I always want to live far, far below my means. So if I buy a vehicle, I want it to be way on the low end of the price range. I just bought a house. Uh, I wanted that house to be way on the low end of my price range. And there are national averages with what percentage of your income is, you know, a good reasonable number that you spend on a house, a car, uh, groceries, all of these things. These numbers are all really basic and public. For me personally, that's the biggest thing I want to do. And I would say for my clients, you know, I have people that make a half million a year that do not naturally save money. It's very, it has to be very intentional for them. 
and it'll take them years and years to save the amount of money that they're trying to save. And, you know, adversely, I have clients who have never made more than 30 or 40,000 a year who saved a million bucks. And it came from them just being very disciplined. And, you know, one of those people is not better than the other. One is a natural budgeter, but that's a gift. Everyone will not budget naturally. But what I see with, with clients, with myself and with friends, is that if we, if we strive to live below our means, there's always a lot of room in the budget. And so if a need crosses my path, I always wanna have the option to meet it. If I'm up to the brim, if my bills equal my income, it really dramatically restricts my giving. Hmm. Okay, so living below your means. Big thing, especially not with at the, your means, not and at your certainly means. not above your means. Correct, and that would be especially with the core of the house uh, and any anything you have that you would use unsecured debt for, which would typically be a credit card. That really has to be a high bar for you to use that at all, because that typically will be something that you cannot afford. There can be exceptions, you know, if you buy a TV and you put it on a credit card and have a balance for a couple of months, that's kind of how they're meant to be used. But if you're consistently having to go to unsecured debt, uh, that means you're living above your means. So when I first sit with a new client and I'm going through the budgeting process with them, I'll ask a couple of basic questions and it'll tell me everything that I need to know about what kind of situation they're in. Uh, And the questions will be, how much do you have in your savings account? And if they say, oh, we have 20,000, my next question is, well, is that number tending to increase every month or is it tending to decrease or stay the same? And if they tell me it's increasing every month, that tells me that they're living below their means. If they say they have nothing in their savings, then my next question is, how much credit card debt do you have? (laughs) And then we go through that process. Okay, is that number increasing or decreasing every month? And so it's pretty obvious. And um, and most people know, you know, whether they have a problem or not. It doesn't really come down to how much money you make. It really comes down to how you're living daily, uh, you know, at below or above your means. Okay. So similar question, but thinking about someone who wants to be generous, um, has done the hard work, that mm-hmm. they know, right, they're working through, like, dealing with greed or that the security question, um, and they're wanting to start being generous, but they've not been living below their means, right? Uh, if someone had never cultivated that habit of generosity before, what would be a first step that you would give them? I would say pray. Pray for the for the tendency to be generous. Uh, we, we can't change ourselves. That would certainly be the first step. I pray consistently for God to lead me with how to use my resources uh, time and, and money, especially. So prayer would be the first thing. And then after that, if we're talking what's a pragmatic step with clients, with a young couple who makes a lot of money and for some reason is not giving like they would like to, but they have a desire and they're not saving like they would like to, then I'm going to go through a budgeting process. And it's pretty simple. You have to have a budget. You have to know what your bills are and you have to stick to it. And you know, nobody's perfect. So there has to be some consistent follow-up and accountability with what the budget looks like week by week and month by month. Uh, And the first thing is to make sure your normal living expenses over a month, you could say, are below what you make. And then from there, you have some wiggle room. And that's where you can begin to think about how much of this, uh, you know, the gap between what I make versus what I have to pay goes to giving, paying off debt or something else. Okay. Um, How have you personally cultivated generosity as a habit? It's been a it's been a long, interesting walk. I, I do enjoy giving. I think I personally think that probably is is a spiritual gift that God has blessed me with. And he's also taken me through an interesting path because for most of my life, I really had nothing. I mean, nothing material. And so, you know, he takes me from that to a career where, you know, I get paid very well. I'm very thankful. It was it was only by God's design. And um, and so, you know, I, 
I consistently pray for God to lead me with how to use my resources. And what I've begun to do is really try to uh, identify needs myself, uh, not have to wait for, for someone to ask me for money or ask me for a favor, something material that they need. I remember, you know, through college or all of my life, I, I had a lot of hard times and it was excruciating to have to ask someone for money. Uh, and I had to do that a number of times. A lot of times it was Christians that, that met the need. But by the point I asked, it was already too late. So I like to try to be very cognizant of needs around me. And I pray consistently for God to lead me with how to use my resources. And I'll hear people say things like, you know, you can't meet every need. You can't, but, but you're not going to have to. You know, God's not going to put every single person in need in your purview. And so I want to always be like seeking out opportunities to give. I want to see who, who has a need in front of me. If I, if I can see the need, God has arranged all that, you know, and, and on the other side with my budgeting, I've, I've gotten more and more diligent with it. I'm not a natural budgeter uh, as a financial advisor. That might be funny, but that's something that I very much have to be intentional about and work at. And it comes down to all the basic things, how much I eat out, the type of food I buy and keep in my home, uh, trips that I take, anything like that. I pray about that stuff and I just try to have a high bar. Uh, and and the, the most basic thing for me is that I don't buy anything that I don't actually need, that I'm not just spending money for no particular reason. How do you t determine what you need? That's a good question. Go ahead. I'm just curious for you. Okay. So the house purchase is a good example. I never cared about really owning a house. I, uh, you know, Jesus speaks directly that he doesn't even have a home. It's certainly not something we're, we're called to as Christians, you know, to own a home. At the same time, it's a big staple of the American life, of the American dream that you get to own a home. And so I prayed through that for a couple of years. I was renting a place that was reasonable right by my office. The people had always planned to sell it to me. And I was pretty comfortable in that situation for as long as it took. At the end of the day, uh, the reason I decided to go ahead and buy a house now is, be is because of stewardship. So obviously when you're renting, you, you're getting nothing for it. So it's essentially like you're paying 100% interest rate. And look, some people have to do that their whole lives. A lot of things have to line up financially for you to be able to buy a house. So that's not a, a benchmark as a Christian. That's certainly not anything we're called to or required to do. But before I bought that house, I prayed, I looked at all the facts, and I decided to buy it because uh, it was a better... It was a better stewardship of my resources. How do I know if I need something? Uh, you know, maybe some discernment. But honestly... So like right now I have a truck that's about six years old with 120,000 miles. I don't really have any desire for a new vehicle, but it does cross my mind sometimes. And I'll just think, what changes if I buy a new vehicle? And if nothing really changes, that's a, that's a natural benchmark for me that, you know, I don't really need that, that item. Yeah. I've heard people say before, like, if you want something, wait a week, two weeks, three weeks, maybe a month. And if you still want it at the end of that time period, then maybe you can purchase it. But if it kind of goes away in your mind, then maybe you didn't really need it ever to begin with. Right. So last question, and this might be kind of a weird one for you, but how have you seen the Lord bless you through your generosity? Yeah, I would say this. Um, I, I wanted to make a joke and give you like, you know, he's, he's giving me $3 for every dollar I've given. No, it's, it's not been anything <laughs> like that. But I will say I always had a desire to give. I think I think it is a spiritual gift God has given me. But for most of my life, I really had not much ability or no ability to give, to do anything for anyone. Um, I will say that if somebody asks me for something, you know, not a need that I've identified myself, but someone actually comes to me and asks me, many times that has happened. 
even in the last few years, and it's been a stretch to be able to do it. But I, I always think back to whenever I actually had to ask someone for money and the process that I went through to get to a point where I could actually ask. I mean, it's excruciating. So if somebody asked me for money, I'm going to assume that they're in pretty dire need. In, in those situations, and I could think of five to 10 over the last few years, the times where I've had to stretch to do it, where it was a stretch for me to meet a need for one reason or another, God's always been very faithful through that. You know, I've always had food, food and covering. That's a, that's a kind of a, a floor for what we should be satisfied with from scripture. That's all we really need. I've always had that. But, but more than that, he has increasingly given me peace about giving. Uh, he's consistently made me think less about money, less about the future, uh, less about having any sort of security blanket. You know, I need this much money to feel comfortable. There, there's not really a number that will make you feel comfortable if that's where you're looking at for peace or comfort. Awesome. Well, hey, um, tell us two things. Number one, what are some resources that you might recommend to somebody in just practical resources to help people begin uh, becoming more generous? I do. One in particular, uh, the book Radical by David Platt. I read this a few years ago. It's one of my favorite Christian books, perhaps my favorite. It's a short book. David Platt has a pretty uh, radical view from America with finances. Uh, and reading that book and hearing his life story, it, it was very meaningful to me. I think near the opening of the book, he says something like, if, if you're constantly thinking about your 401k and you know the college football playoffs, your heart's in the wrong place. And that's a very typical picture of many people here in America. Reading that book, hearing how he walks through the scripture about what we should do with our finances. That is a great resource. It did help shape the last few years of my life. It's its just exposition of scripture though. Um, the other thing would be to go to the scripture directly. The two sections that I think of often for myself is when Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan. Uh, and he says, you know, this person gets robbed and they're left in the desert. And two people pass them by who saw the need clearly but did not meet it. But a third passes by, sees the person in need, and fully meets the need. They give money, they give time, they don't hold anything back. And Jesus told that story, uh, in essence, to say, this is what we should be doing. At the end, he says, go and do the same. So whenever I see a need, I wanna make sure I, I really pray diligently, but that I'm really gonna lean towards always meeting it. That's what the scripture says. And the other verse that I, that I think of is in Luke 12, when Jesus tells the parable of the rich man uh, building his storehouses to store his wealth in, it very much, um, you know, it could really be a picture of the, of the typical American lifestyle and retirement. You save $2 million and then you get to go to Europe twice a year. You know, that that's a tough thing to say that God might, might call us to that. You know, I can't say that it, it says directly that it's wrong in scripture, but Jesus says this guy stores up his wealth. And then once he's all done, God shows up and says, your soul is required of you today. Now who's going to use this stuff? Imagine all the needs that that guy could have met while he was hoarding that wealth. Those are the two things I think of. But Radical is a good walk through the scripture, and I think it's a really accurate book. It, it did help mold my, my views on giving. What do you, when you sit down with a client for the first time to budget, do you have your own tool or is there tools that you recommend like just practically for like, here's a good budgeting tool? Yeah, so we do have proprietary stuff at the company that I work for that's really good. But look, budgeting is a basic thing. Uh, an easy thing for people to do 
is to look, so if you use a credit card or if you use a checking account to do most of your spending, most people use one or the other, to look at the last 12 statements and see how much money goes in versus how much money goes out. And then you can consistently see where most of the money's going. Now, the first couple of checks you write are gonna be the mortgage and the car typically. After that, most of the, the rest of the spending is expendable. You know, you got mortgage, car, and utilities, and then everything else really is expendable. People that have a problem budgeting, it's gonna typically come down to the expendable category. Now, if it's not in the expendable category, and it's the house or the car that's the problem, that's where you have to be, look a little bit more in detail. Maybe you gotta get a second job, or maybe you really gotta bear down until you relieve some of that debt. But looking at your, your average spending, look at your last 12 bank statements, look at debits and credits, that's a good place to start. Okay. You're also a financial advisor, like we've talked about. So if someone is listening and they want to be able to reach out to you and get some of your services, how can they find you? Yeah. Um, so they can see me directly. I'm at church uh, almost every Sunday. Uh, many people here do do business with me, which I very much appreciate. Um, but they can Google me, Stephen Ackman. My office information will come up. Uh, they can see me in church and get my cell. And they can feel free to contact you as well. And you can give anybody that would like to sit with me uh, my, my contact information. And I get commission for that, right? <laughs> uh, there's SEC stuff. <laughs> I'm kidding, obviously. Hey, um, we're recording this after Hurricane Ida has had made landfall and uh, we're a couple of weeks from um, that and people are recovering. And so everything that Steve and I have been talking about today, I think, uh, has significant implications for us as followers of Jesus. There's a reality that uh, there are always opportunities around us, that generosity um, doesn't have to come in tragedy. And so we've got to be ready. And I think the things that Steve has shared with us today about generosity helps us with that, to be ready always, um, because there's always opportunities. But at the same time, I think these are um, important moments. God will put important moments in our lives where uh, there are unique, special needs that we as Christians can be generous with. And so I feel like for, for us right now in Southeast Louisiana, particularly in the in the New Orleans metro area, right? We experienced some damage, but not the kind of damage that uh, people in St. Charles Parish or uh, Terrebonne Parish or Lafouche Parish experienced. And so this is an opportunity for us as the church, not just vintage church, but the church to step up and be generous with our time, with our energy, with our resources, with our money, um, because God has given us this to steward and be generous with. And so I just want to encourage you in light of what we're experiencing uh, to think about generosity from that as well. I hope that uh, this has been helpful for you. Uh, what we want to do in this podcast is always give you content that is helpful and useful for you. If you're interested in learning more about what we've been talking about regarding generosity, you can find a bunch of stuff on our website. If you go to nola.vcmvmt.com slash deep and wide, you're going to find all of our deep and wide resources, including a tab for generosity. There's a sermon there, a V group study, some generosity resources. Uh, we want to help uh, help you with that as much as we can and put as many resources as we possibly can in your hands. If you've enjoyed this content and find it helpful, I would encourage you to subscribe to stay up to date, leave a review for us, and share it with your friends. My desire is that what we share here will equip and inspire you to live the gospel, serve the city, and be the church after Sunday. 
Thanks for listening to After Sunday. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our show, leave us a review, and share it with others. If you would like to learn more about the ministry of Vintage Church, check out VintageChurchMovement.com.